address. All right. Um, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Revelation. I'm going to be sort of quick. God is working. He's working in the church. He's working in our hearts. He's working in my heart. And we are just excited about what he's doing. There's, there's aging process going on with me and us. And so we know that we need to, to make room for transition and improvements and things like that. And so we're just excited about what he's doing. We're thankful. We are looking at the chapters two and three of the book of Revelation, particularly because in those two chapters, there are seven churches that are identified and those seven churches are being examined by the Lord and he is evaluating them. And we are at this church in a process of self-evaluation or trying to evaluate ourselves and using as some thoughts and guidelines these seven letters. And so we are in beginning of chapter three of Revelation, looking at the letter to the church at Sardis. We started this last week, and I guess I just moved kind of slow, but we'll just kind of pick it up. And I am going to go sort of, sort of quickly, uh, uh, try not to hold us here very long. But let me read it to you, uh, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 3 of Revelation, this particular comment or this particular passage dealing with this church at Sardis. The text begins in verse 1, to the angel of the church in Sardis write, he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, quote, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which are about to die, for I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. So remember what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. You will not know at what hour I will come to you. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments. They will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments. And I will not erase his name from the book of life. And I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. First of all, we notice here in this text here that he's talking to a church, and that's what we are. And so we want to be sensitive to his word to us. And so as we're looking at these things, uh, as his people, as his body, his local body, we're asking him to just give us wisdom. Um, and I'm going to open in prayer and ask that very thing here this morning. So if you will, let's just bow our hearts for a moment before the Lord. Dear Father, we come not casually, but reverently into your presence this morning. We are thankful to you for your love, for your mercy, for your grace for your sacrifice, for your patience with us. We are your people. We look around us, we see a world that is confused, that is dying, a lot of problems going on around us and some of us and some of them with us. And we just want to see you glorified. We want to see not so much a big church, but we want to see an influence. We want to see us impact those around us. We want to see us being used of you to make, as you said in Matthew, disciples of all nations. And so we know that the, that the problems that exist are with us, 
beginning with myself, we know that, that we are um, vessels that are self-centered and egocentric, that we are sinful creatures, that the only hope we have is in our Lord Jesus and his mercy and grace. And so we ask that you would work in us this morning, give us wisdom. We look forward to the coming weeks and months to see what you're doing. We don't know what the future holds, but we do know who holds the future. And so we just come before you as our shepherd, as our savior, as our Lord. And we ask that you would speak to us through your word this morning. And I ask it in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen. The church there, just uh, located there in that city of Sardis, much like us here, uh, now we have churches that are Baptist and Presbyterian and others, but back then when the first church first started, there would be a church in the local area, and that was in the, the city of Smyrna, I said Sardis, it's the city of Sardis, and that uh, city was a wealthy city, there was gold, archaeologists have uncovered all kinds of things for refining gold and stuff like that. Uh, it was a city that was located on a, a uh, ridge that jutted out from a mountain. It was uh, about 1,500 feet above the valley below. And that ridge was accessible uh, by one way only. There was a land bridge sort of that came from the mountain down to the plateau where the city was. On the other three sides of that city was a steep cliff and that cliff was uh, so steep that the people in Sardis figured that they were perfectly safe. And so they didn't defend that those other areas as much. They just watched the land bridge. But two times uh, that city was defeated because they were not watching the, the one area. And even a child could be sitting up there watching and let them know if there were anyone was coming. And uh, they, were, they, were not, they were not careful to watch for the defense. That is sort of maybe a, a little picture of the church itself. And that's, as we go through, we saw in the text there that the Lord was saying that you have a name that you're alive, but you're really dead. And he tells them to wake up. And that may sort of ironically be applicable, not only to the, the city, but also to the church, that the church was sleeping when it should have been awake. And that is a, a lesson, I think, for us, uh, at least it is for me, not to be taking it easy and sleeping as if everything is okay. As I mentioned this morning, I was driving into church and I saw a man walking down the street uh, in shabby clothes and uh, without being critical, he looked like a, a street person, a street bum or whatever you want to call it. I don't mean to be critical, but I prayed for him as I was just going by. And then as I got uh, maybe uh, half a mile down the road, I started thinking, well, the praying for him is not going to do very much good, but if I could stop and talk to him and, and really take out the time, you could have an impact on somebody's life. At least find out what he's doing, where he's going, what's going on in his life. And that's kind of the thing I think that the Lord is helping me to see is that you need to be involved with people uh, in order to reach them and to make an impact. And uh, I'm sorry that it takes so long for these things to penetrate my thick skull, but it is true. And so here is this, this the church. They are located in this area, just like we are church located in this area of Fletcher. Um, the one that's speaking is identified here as he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. And he's the one that's speaking. And remember now, this is, this is a vision that John is having on the Isle of Patmos. And he's seeing things in the spiritual realm. 
And the things in the spiritual realm are very real, but they're concealed as we're in the physical realm and they're in the spiritual realm. And so uh, he is witnessing these things and he is telling us in the physical realm what he is witnessing in the spiritual realm. And he sees the glorified Christ there uh, and he identifies what he sees. And what he sees here is the one who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Let's just elaborate on that just a little bit. We know in Revelation that uh, the Trinity is introduced in chapter 1. And the Trinity is introduced, first God the Father, who is, it's stated that uh, him who is and who was and who is to come, that is a description of God the Father, who, who is, now he is sovereign right now, but he was, he goes back forever in the past, and he is the one that's going to be forever on the, in the, uh, the future. He is the only one who has the power of being in himself, which just says to us that we are dependent on other things in order to survive. I mean, we're dependent on air, we're dependent on food, we're dependent on clothing, we're dependent on the temperature and the environment, we're, pretend, we're dependent on things to uh, keep, keep us alive and stuff like that. And if you take any of these things away, we become unhealthy and eventually we die. If you go to the moon, you've got to take your own food, you've got to take your own air. You've got to take a means whereby you can eat, but also a means whereby you can get rid of uh, waste material. We are very dependent. God is not. God is sovereign, um, and he is, he is absolutely um, independent in that sense. He's the only one who has the, the power of being in himself. That's what R.C. Sproul used to say, and he's right. We do not have. And so when we go to the Bible, we find that there is one on the throne in Revelation who is the creator and he is eternal. Everything else is created by him, everything else without any exception. And so here is the one who has always been, is now and always will be. And he introduces himself when someone in the Old Testament, Moses came and they wanted to know what his name is. He said, just tell him I am, <laughs> that's all you need. Because there is nothing else other than me insofar as being a, a power and an object and a being with which you can reckon with, I am the one, there is nothing else. And so here is this one and God the Father is introduced as him who is and who was and who is to come. And God the Son is introduced as Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. And then the Holy Spirit is introduced there when he's called the the seven spirits who are before his throne. So, and the number seven in Revelation is the number of completion, and it's just referring to the Holy Spirit. So, the one speaking to this church is identified here as he who has the seven spirits of God, controls the Holy Spirit. And that, that may sound like the Holy Spirit is less than, than God the Son or God the Father. He is not, they're all equal persons, but they function in roles and the Holy Spirit functions under the direction of God the Father. So if you, if you want um, the Spirit of God to work or do things in your life, the best place to go probably is to the Father and ask him to ask the Holy Spirit to do these things because in the scriptures, it makes it clear that the Spirit is obeying the Son and the Son is following the direction of the Father. So anyway, having said that, he also has the seven stars and the seven stars are explained here in the vision uh, in Revelation 1 verses 12 through 13 where Jesus Christ the exalted Christ is being um, 
witness and John sees him, he hears the voice of him speaking. He turns and sees this awesome one, the Lord, standing before him. He falls on his face. But in the process of doing that, he is introduced in Revelation verse 16, saying in his right hand, he had seven stars, which are identified in verse 20 as the seven angels of the seven churches or the seven messengers of the seven churches. Again, uh, we, for those of you that are just new with us, we believe that the seven angels or seven messengers are probably the seven pastors in each one to the, one of these churches. And so he controls, the one who's speaking to the church is the one who controls the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the church and also the one who's controlling the, the messengers or the leadership in the church. And so he's speaking to the church and he's he's uh, confronting the church and he says now down further on down, he says, I know your deeds. Which reminds us here, doesn't it, that the Lord does know our deeds and does know what we are and what we're doing. I thought about I was just talking, telling this the other day to one of my real good friends and she and I were discussing the things about the Lord and I said, I know for a fact that I'm going to stand before the Lord. I know for a fact that I'm going to give an account. And I know for a fact that there are going to be things that I'm really disappointed with in my life. I know that. And of course, we can say, well, it's covered by the sacrifice of, of Jesus. And it is true that we are not going to stand accepted before him if we have sin of any kind, the slightest blemish in our lives. But at the same time, we, wanted, we are going to give an account. And we're going to be judged. And so it, that's a sobering reality. There, you were right. It does matter the fact that we're going to stand before God. That's one of the issues that's really important for us to see that. That does affect us, doesn't it? It has an effect on my life. It should have a greater effect on my life. There are times when I, to be honest, get involved in doing other things, seeking my own will, and kind of walk away from that. And it's, it's, uh, this, this, it's a serious thing. So anyway, the Holy Spirit is working. And the, the Lord is confronting the church and he says, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you're alive, but you're dead. In other words, here's a church that was living on its reputation. They, in the past, they had done some things. They had a name. They were alive. They'd done some things. But in fact, the Lord looks at you. He, he says that name is in the past. That's a reputation you had before, but right now you're dead. That's a pretty serious accusation. And I have to ask that to myself. And ask that of you, are we alive? Are we active? Are we aggressive on the things that matter? Or do we do we put these things kind of on the back burner and are we sort of satisfied or apathetic with the present situation? Uh, he, he, he confronts the church about this. He says, I know your deeds. Nothing escapes his vision. Um, and I think it's good for us to be examining ourselves. And it, you know, this is something about the, the, the scriptures is that we look at the scriptures and we have a lot of words of comfort for us when we go through suffering, but most of the time we are confronted by our sin and by our self-centeredness, at least I am, and I'm confronted about these things. And I, we just have to recognize that God is, is holy three times. He's holy, 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 and we need to recognize that. That should affect our lives. It did Isaiah. And it should affect our lives as well. And so here is this confrontation. I know your deeds. You have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. You have a reputation. Um, you need spiritual life. You need the life-giving Holy Spirit. 
we have looked at that. I'm not going to get uh, get lost in that, but we, we talked about Galatians talks about walking in the spirit. You won't carry out the desires of the flesh. The spirit is one that directs our lives, that fills us, that gives us, gives us life. And uh, he's the one that, uh, that we need to, to have influencing us and to be listening to the Lord as he's working in our midst. The spirit, the Holy Spirit is there to bring life, to take the word and open it up to us. If we're not in the word, He's not going to be able to open it up to us. We need to be in the Word. We need to, to concentrate, not just concentrate. I don't know the best way to say it, except to, that when we read it, we need to read it to comprehend what he's saying. We want to listen to his voice and then digest what he's saying. That's one reason why I like a good reference Bible, I like the McCarthy Study Bible, so that we can see not only what's being said in the text, but get an idea of what's coming before, what it means by the words and things in it and to understand those things so that not that we'll have a head full of knowledge but so that it'll change our life because if it doesn't change your life it won't do any good and we're we're needing that we're needing that here we're needing that uh, when we go out into the world we meet people we need to know the word enough that we can share it with them and be, become like jesus uh, john 17 said he was the light of the world but men love darkness rather than life why because their deeds are evil our deeds, our deeds come between us and the Lord and they cause us to turn away. So here is this, this picture here that the Lord says, you have a name, but you're alive, but you're dead. The Holy Spirit needs to be working in your life. And I'm skipping over a lot of stuff there because we've, we've kind of gone over that. Um, I, I was, the notes that I hear here, having my, here, my, my notes here have in the margin, big word choice. And the reason I put down the word choice is because I, the scripture says, let not sin reign in their bodies or in your bodies. And uh, it goes on to say, reckon yourself dead to sin, but alive unto God. We are involved in following and obeying the Lord and we can either submit ourselves to sin and indulge our members in sin, or we can turn our back on that. Ask the Lord, turn our back on that and reckon yourself. That's what he says, reckon yourself dead to sin, but alive unto God. We have us. It's important. We can, we can, as Paul says in Romans, present yourselves to God as alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So you present yourselves. That's a, that's a type of worship, really, to really fall before the Lord and to present yourselves. I don't know if you've ever done that. I've done that. Romans chapter, uh, beginning chapter 12 talks about that. That's, that's really very important to do that. Um, Psalms also says that we delight yourself in the Lord and you he will develop the desires of your heart. He will give you the desires of your heart. To delight yourself in the Lord is a hard thing. In fact, I think it's impossible unless the Lord enables you to do it. We are, we are spiritual, we are fleshly slaves unless the Spirit of God opens our hearts, grants repentance and grants us life. And he's the only one that can do that. So we are, we are, we're destitute and totally dependent upon his work and his activity in us. So, and this is really important for us to see that. So here you have a church with these lifeless deeds. I've not found your deeds. He uses the word complete there in the English translation. I've not found your works complete. Uh, and what he's saying, I don't think he's saying that they're not enough, that they're in, incomplete in number. It's kind of a strong language. But I think he's talking about quality of works, the, the type of works um, their works were without life. I think we need works that have life and that have motivation. 
Um, what did Jesus say? He said, let your lights shine before men in such a way that they will be impressed with you. <laughs> no, he didn't say that. He says, let your lights, uh, your light shine before men in such a way that they will see your good works and glorify God. Uh, that's what we want to do. We want to do that. I ask myself, and I ask you that question, do we do that? That's, that's something that we need to really ask ourselves. And then he goes on to say, uh, you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments. That's interesting language. Uh, we are sitting here, and if you say you haven't soiled your garment, I would be looking could I get my coat dirty or something like that? But he's not talking about just the physical clothes. He's talking about the garments that you're wearing uh, representative in heaven as you're walking there. Remember in Revelation earlier, they're talking about some who had white robes that put their robes on. And so here are some who have not soiled their garments. They've, um, they've not dishonored the Lord. Um, and and uh, few people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white for they are worthy and I, I i think that he's just saying that here your life down here will be um reflected by the covering that you have when you walk with the lord in glory in the military we have a way of showing um appreciation to men who have served and sacrificed by giving them these ribbons and medals that they put up there and these things kind of show uh how they they've ministered and some of them have some men have a lot of these little awards or little trophies or little ribbons or uh ribbons and things like that and i think that this is one that, that shows the being walking with the lord in white shows that our lives uh, that we in our lives revelation talks about uh being judged by our deeds and we will be judged by our deeds not because we're judged by works but because our works will will confirm the reality of our salvation. And they will they will always do that. That's just in the revelation that we're clear that they're going to do that. The names of the book of life, but also their deeds are going to confirm that. So here is he's saying they will walk with me in light. And I ask myself the question, and I ask you the question, uh, does our life reflect the commitment and obedience that will justify us thinking that we will be walking with the lord in, in white that we will that our lives will reflect that commitment if it if we are serious it will even though every one of us here in this room i'm certain would say oh pastor you don't know the mistakes that i've made you don't know the things that go through my mind you don't know the disappointments that i have um we have, we have children sometimes. I was, heard a mother the other day was talking about her children. She said, I just have, have not lived the life I should have lived, and I, I accept responsibility for my children not coming to know the Lord. Well, all of us have been failing in some areas. All of us have made mistakes. It doesn't justify it, but it's true. But God, in his mercy and grace, can take us and take our passions and our heart and overrule those things and still use us, maybe not in the this is what's so frustrating. Maybe not in the time frame that we want, but in his time frame. And he'll work it out in his plan and his way to bring honor and glory to his name, which is what we want. That's what we want in the long run. And so um, he just, he, he's bigger than we are. He's infinitely more capable than we are. And so anyway, here is the church there that is having this problem. And uh, they're 
there, there are some there that did not soil their garments. There are some, I take it that these are the genuine believers, that there are some in the church that are like the parable of the sower that had responded to the gospel for a while with joy, but then they came and they turned away and it gave, it gave evidence, as John says, that they were not really part of us. If they didn't part of us, they would have not left us. And so here are some that are real and they are struggling. He says, you, you, you will walk with me in white. Um, and then he goes on to say this, I think, and this is a good challenge for us as well. Verse two, he says, wake up, strengthen the things that remain which are about to die. And so remember what you've received and heard and keep it and repent. Wake up there, it just means to be watchful. That was the situation in that city. Are we awake? Do we, are we really alert about the things of the Lord, the things of the Spirit, the things uh, that are in the Word? Um, I, I, I'll be honest with you, when I would, I've worked down at Lowe's, some of you know that, some of you don't, but I worked down at Lowe's as a cashier part-time. Um, I tell people I do it to pay for my new car, which is true. <laughs> but also it gives you an opportunity to um, to talk to people, to witness to people. And I've had to chance to do that. Um, I don't, I'm not very good at opening up doors, but sometimes doors just open up anyway. And you can talk to people and share. And I've had in some instances praying with people. Some of the people I've prayed with are not the customers, but there's some people at work. I had one lady ask me to pray for her pastor. And we prayed right there on the spot for him. And that, that's, it sounds like I'm patting myself on the back. Uh, no, it's the Lord that does that. And he's the one that's good to us. But anyway, he says to wake up, be watchful, um, be concerned, uh, stop ignoring uh, the things and uh, enjoying your comfort and rather wake up, realize the seriousness of what it is. As you get older, and I'm older, uh, you realize that you're not going to be around very long. And you know how quick the Lord can take you out is just a snap of the fingers. There's not even a, a heartbeat a distance between you and the grave, apart from the mercy, the grace, and the, the plan of God. And so we want to be faithful. And I do, and I know you do too. He says to wake up, to strengthen the things that remain, to fix the things that remain, to confirm the things that remain, uh, to... The things you know that you should be doing, the disciplines of the Christian life that you know should be doing, you should be doing, do them. And don't, don't be negligent with those things. There are times when I don't, and this morning, I was busy getting ready for the sermon, not doing my Bible reading. I like to read through the scriptures, and I have to make myself do that. And it sounds terrible, but because it's, I'm trying to get through the whole Bible in a year. And so you sit down and read it and it's, be honest with you that portions of the scripture that you read through that you just have to kind of take it as a teaspoon of castor oil but the other portions that are as sweet as they can possibly be but it's all god's word and it's all profitable and if your mind is open and your heart is open god can use it in your life and change your life and so that's important so here we have uh, it says to strengthen the things that remain confirm the things fix the things that remain and remember, reflect, remember what you have received and what you have heard, the things that you've received, the, the direction, the examples, the, the blessings in your life and the things that you've heard and learned. Remember those things, reflect on those things and keep it. Uh, keep it means to watch over those things, to observe those things, to preserve those things, to take custody of those things that you've learned. We need to do that. The things that we're learning today, the things that you learn in your quiet time, you need to own those to take them into your your um, your spiritual 
uh, heart, your spiritual family, your spiritual uh, environment, and incorporate those things and make them there. Ask the Lord to help you do it and to do it. And uh, because, I mean, I, I know by experience, I know what it's like. I've had instances where you all of a sudden you get real dizzy and you think, well, what am I going to do? And you know, you realize how quickly, uh, and we've had Warner. That happened to Warner. Warner was just doing fine, and all of a sudden he started mumbling and having a hard time. And that was, the, it wasn't very long after that he was gone. And uh, so the Lord is in charge. He's on the throne. He doesn't make mistakes. We cannot outsmart, outwit, outmaneuver God. He's not our genie. He's not one that we can manipulate for our purposes. We are here to serve him and not he us. He's not our slave. Now, I will have to say with me, I, he has been more than gracious and more than merciful and more patient than, and, and of course that's true with all of us, than we deserve. But he has definitely done that with me and I am very, very appreciative. And I'm so thankful that he just didn't say, okay, that's how you're gonna do and do like that to me, which I would have served and still do deserve that, but he's not. He's a merciful and gracious God. He's working in us and through us for his glory and that's what i want i want i want to hear the words well done good and faithful servant i know you do too it's not going to be an accident we, we want to just really seek to follow him and ask him to show us direction give us the kick when we need it give us the direction when we need it and, and do those things and so he says these things we need to keep we need to take ownership of these things we need to repent you would think, this is interesting, I was thinking that repent should be at the first of the list. Repent and then do these other things, but it's not. It's at the end of the list. Why is that? I think it's because repentance is dependent upon the work of God, the work of the Word, and the Spirit of God. We don't, we make New Year's resolutions. If you're like me, you're not very good at keeping them. You make the resolution. And boy, we are ready to go. But a week later, somebody will say, well, how are you doing your resolution? Resol oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to do that. Or, you know, it's like going to Amway. You go to a meeting and then all of a sudden you're gone or whatever. It's just one of these things. But if the Lord grants repentance and he does it through the ministry, things you've heard, things you've received, things you've studied about, those things, and that brings you to the point of really changing your mind, which changes your direction, it's going to have a much more lasting effect. So I think it's interesting. It's, it was sort of interesting to me that repentance is near the bottom of the list, but it's on the list. And it's very important. And so he says, change your thought, change your behavior. Otherwise, uh, I'm going to come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come. And to come just means he's going to come and judge me. He's going to deal with you. I've had that happen where I've been doing things that I shouldn't do and all of a sudden my car breaks down or something and I pull over and right away I will repent and want to get my act back together but it's too late you can't undo it that quick like that and the Lord sometimes you have to go through a process of getting that spanking or getting whatever you need to change your back and to make you turn around I've been very and still am sometimes very stubborn and God is always very merciful and very gracious but there is there is a point in which you can can step over the line there's a point at which the lord says okay i'm going to have to teach you this lesson i'm going to deal with you or, or even worse there are sometimes some people that he say okay you want to go i'm just going to let you go and not bug you you can just do whatever you want to do that's the worst of the worst that's absolutely the worst of the worst and so 
Now, finally, at the very end, he says, he who overcomes, overcomers in the scripture are those who are able to, to live, live for the Lord, and they're not, they're not uh, consumed by the world and the things of the world. They overcome that. Uh, he says, those who overcome will be clothed with me, with clothed their garments, and I will not erase the name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my Father in heaven. And I know there's a lot there, and I know you're wanting a, a lot of information, and I can't do that this morning. But first of all, notice there is this promise of appearance. Like the walking with the Lord in white, there is a promise that those that overcome, that their life will demonstrate in the Lord when we're together with glory. It will be demonstrated in their clothing and their walking. We will, we will be walking with the Lord. And uh, that's there's nobody better than, than the Lord to walk with. That's the first thing. We'll have that wonderful reality. The second is I will not erase his name from the book of life. And people say, well, that means God's going to erase some people's name from the book of life. No, the very purpose of the book of life is a place to record forever the names of those that God has called to himself. And he's going to do that. He's done that. He's written it down. Everybody in this room who can figure out why God wrote your name down in the book of life, raise your hand. Nobody's going to raise their hand. I don't know why he put my name down there. And I, because there's nothing in me that's worthy of me. But he's done that. He's, he has taken that he's, for his glory, he's wrote, written names of those that he's called to himself down in the book of life. You say, well, that sounds like that it's not fair. No, it's absolutely, it's, it's beyond fair because none of us deserve to have our names down to start with. We're every one of us are sinners. Every one of us are rebellious. None of us, if God gives us anything, it's a pardon of what we are guilty of. And so he's put names down to show that he's on the throne and he's going to work through, we talk about free will. He's going to work through the problems, the free will, the, the, the battles, the things that go on in life. He's going to work through all those things to bring his elect to himself, safe and sound. So that at the end, uh, our works as well as our name in the book of life will confirm it. They will match up and we'll be with him to his honor and to his glory. In the meantime, we want to obey as much as we can because our assurance uh, is the to some degree dependent on whether we cooperate with him or not. It's just really very important. I'm not saying we lose our salvation, but we can be deceived by it. We certainly can. And uh, you, you, you don't want to do that. Paul said, examine himself that you be in the faith. And then lastly, um, that's security. He talks about the security that we have. And then lastly, I will confess his name before my father. And that is to be exalted and honored in the presence of the Lord. So here we have another church. And I just ask myself and I ask you to examine ourselves. Are we dead? Do we need to wake up? Do we need to take him seriously? Do you understand what I'm saying? Do we need to take that seriously? Uh, I need to take it seriously. I really do. And I'm asking the Lord, just help me to apply the things that I talk about and the things that I read about, apply those things in my life. And I'm asking him to do that in your life as well. Um, I'm really not so much concerned about the size of the church as I am the spiritual hunger of the people in the church to obey him, to follow him, to love him. If we do that, um, God uses. He's promised to do that. We know he's going to do that. And we want to do that. He's told us to make disciples of all nations. And uh, we want to do that. We want to be aggressive in that. And the ultimate purpose is not to get more people into heaven, but to bring glory and honor to his name. That's why we want it. That's why we're here. We want to do that. So I'm going to close in prayer because I've gone over time. But this is important. These are important things. If you have an ear to hear what the Spirit says to the church, to listen to it. Let the Lord speak to your heart. Father in heaven, 
thank you for your mercy, your patience, and your love. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I don't have anything to say. I, I know that I have disobeyed at times. I know that I have walked away at times. I know that I've been disappointed at times. I know that I don't always use my time the way I should. And I have to confess those things. I ask you to be patient with me and to extend mercy and grace to me. I ask you to do that with us. I, I pray for us here. Uh, that, that our hearts will be spoken to, that our hearts will be confronted by, that our hearts will be sensitive to you, that you will enable us to do what is impossible, and that is to delight ourselves in the Lord. And if we can do that, and you promise to give us the desires of the heart, doesn't mean you'll give us what we want, but it means that you're going to change our hearts and the desires of our heart. You're going to give us new desires so that our desires will be focused on you rather than self. And that we won't be running away from the light because our deeds are evil, but we'll be running to you so that our righteousness, the righteous deeds will be exposed and we'll have commendation from you. So I thank you. I, I thank you for your goodness to us. You are so good to us. You are so good to us. We don't deserve the least of these. And yet we bask in a torrential downpour of mercy and grace. And we are just thankful. We are so thankful. We thank you for these people. Uh, both the visitors and those that have, that come every week. Thank you for your, your patience with us. Thank you for the sacrifice of Calvary. We so we so are so appreciative of you and who you are and what you're doing. Help us to help us to help that to show in our lives. I pray in Jesus' name and thanksgiving.